and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. I am your host, Steve Weed, of course, always joining me in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Wally Lukashetsky. Before I toss it to him, I want you to know that this episode is brought to you by TabEase.com, premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com for the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. And remember, use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order as well as free shipping wally it was christmas this past weekend a lot of football that we got to watch how the hell are you and we got new year's right around the corner bud oh my gosh man this is the best time of year right not only for the holidays but you have bowl football you have nfl football and one of the weird things we've had the last couple years with covid it's like one of the only benefits of covid is that we've seen football on like tuesdays we've seen football on fridays wednesdays it's been weird but it also means a lot of football for us. But no, dude, just a couple things on my end before I throw it over to you. And we can hear about that Christmas Day game you got to go up to in Lambeau. Really excited to hear what your experience was like there. But but obviously with the news coming out last night of John Madden's passing, I just wanted to, you know, just say we're going to miss him as a football community, not just Raider fans. But he's meant more to, I feel like people our generation got a different John Madden than our parents did where they got the more of the coach side and they got more of the front end of that broadcast team with like Pat Summerall. But those guys, I mean, the the two of us we're talking about, or at least on our rundown here, we've had it. He was the first guy that we really could remember being in the booth for the NFL. And there's no one that could out crazy John Madden. He was just so authentically himself. And, I mean, there's not a single person. How often do you see everybody stop in the football world? And that's what happened last night is the world completely stopped for John Madden for like an hour. He has been in in football for longer than our parents have been alive. You know, know, this goes back to your parents are going to remember. Our grandparents remember John Madden playing football and being the coach of the Raiders and making that jump to broadcasting and you know during his hall of fame speech he said i i've had the perfect life you know i've or i've had i've had the best jobs i played football i coached football now i broadcast football then obviously you know he made most of his money with the madden nfl football games which how could that is what we grew up on right we always went and played madden it wasn't we're going to go play NFL Fever. The only reason I know that is because I had it, so I guess I'm guilty. Maybe that ESPN 2K5 the one year. But John Madden football, that is the one that people wait in line for days, almost weeks, every single year to get. Luckily, now you can just buy it online if you have Xbox or PS5. But those were I remember having the Marshall Falk, the Ray Lewis, the Dante Culpepper 02, of course, the Mike Vick. That's that one's enshrined there in all Madden games, but yeah, this one definitely hits close to home, a little bit closer to home than you, or it will hit a little bit closer home to you than myself. But nostalgia is the best way to put this is him and Chris Berman, those are the loud, loudmouth, crazy broadcasters, analysts that you see. And John Madden was. You know, three days after they just broadcasted his documentary, this happens. So I'm glad that the, you know, maybe some people who don't know who he is, even don't understand that's where Madden came from, got to see that and maybe made a couple extra football fans. But he changed football and the way that it's perceived outside of just football heads who enjoy it. Just your run-of-the-mill regular people enjoyed the game and it got them to watch, you know, enjoyed the video game and got them to watch the NFL in real life. 
Well, and he's just one of those guys where, like, his voice is football. Like, we can just sit here and you can hear the boom! Uh, uh, and, like, the little, like, grunting and rambling around. It was like, he was everybody's crazy great uncle that you love. And it's it feels just really... It, football feels emptier, obviously, today without John Madden. Even when he hasn't really been involved in, in front of cameras here in the last 10, 15 years, you still... Like, you think of that guy, you think of John Madden all the time, like you said, with the games. And right now, you and I are both on NFL Network right now watching our freaking football game from 1974. It's just, that's the kind of impact this guy had, and not a lot of people have it. The The last thing I would say for it is just, there's not a lot of people out there that, I guess, just eat, breathe, sleep football, and he does, or did, I, I should say, where... I mean, he was so just unique where this, you and I have a unique perspective doing this broadcast or whatever. And and we went to Ohio media school. It's really hard when you're recording to just be yourself because you're constantly like, Hey, I gotta be aware of this. I gotta do this, blah, blah, blah. Did you ever get that impression from him? I truly felt like he just woke up and just showed up and was like, Oh, I've got to call a game today. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of zoned out because I wanted to. I couldn't remember if he's the one who called the Brett Favre dad game against Oakland. So I remember that game, and I can't remember if he was in that or not. Might be Chris Collinsworth. I, I, yeah, I was gonna say I don't remember who called it. I just remember. I, I guess we're getting off topic. No, nope, Al Michaels and John Madden. Yeah, because that was brutal. You guys I beat us by what, game. like twenty-eight or something like that? Yeah, we beat the shit out of you guys. But what was the question you asked anyway? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get it. That would that's a good memory to have. I'm sure for you, anyways. But I was going to say, were there, like, have you ever seen someone like John Madden where, like, he just shows up and he just is himself? It, like, I'm not to say he wasn't prepared, but he just truly, like, what we saw on TV, I truly believe that's who he was in real life. The only person I can compare that to would be Bill Belichick, right? I feel like we're getting the same guy on and off the field, but just aiding a black and white version of of John Madden, who seemed to be every color in the rainbow and beyond. But yeah, I completely agree. He's just one of those guys, you know, a lot of people do, you know, maybe eight hours of research and, and just knowledge just to, so that they're ready for the game. John Madden just seems like a guy who, go, who goes up about two hours before kickoff, grabs the program for at the front of the stadium, kind of runs down a couple things, gets some refreshers and runs right back out to it. And kind of like, just like you said, be himself and he can, what's the word I'm, what's the word I want I want to go for. He can just kind of freebase it, just just go off the cusp because that's the kind of guy he did, and that's just how much knowledge of the game and just the current NFL game that he was able to broadcast, and he was able to portray that immensely. Before I toss it back here, I love John Madden mostly because he loved Brett Favre, who was the quarterback that I grew up watching. And the most memorable game, and I hope that you have at least one or two, I'm sure that you do, is the Brett Favre against Oakland destroying your Raiders, John Madden with Al Michaels, the day after Brett Favre's dad passed away, and Brett Favre torches the Raiders. I remember having Swimmer's Ear, watching that game live, and just, of course, John Madden being colorful. I'm just crying because I'm a little bitch and Swimmer's Ear really hurt. And just remember John Madden just always, oh, well, Brett Favre is, oh, I'm Brett Favre. And, well, that's really any other game, but that one in particular. He was infatuated with Brett Favre. If there was a way to get that man talking about Brett Favre, he'd find a way. But I guess for me, in in a unique sense, I guess most of my memories are more from the coaching days 
because when I was growing up, I'd go back and rewatch a lot of those games. But the I think I guess the broadcasting side, the one thing that stood out to me most was his discovering of a turducken and then watching how that has kind of just trickled down through the years now. Frank Caliendo does the best John Madden ever. And I mean, that's what this guy was. His personality was so big that just literally discovering a food has turned into a talking joke for 20 years. It's, guy's unreal. But hey, how about this? Since we're talking about Christmas, how about you tell us a little bit about the the game that you got to go to this last week. You flew out to Lambeau Field, caught that Browns-Packers game on Christmas Day. I mean, you got to see that freaking Brett Favre. You want to talk about Brett Favre, his well, congratulations and spurring the crowd up, wanting the Packers to get another Super Bowl. How awesome was that day? It had to have been unreal. It was amazing. First and foremost, thank you to my gorgeous girlfriend, Kylie Karen. She is the one who surprised me for the tickets on Christmas about a week a week prior. I didn't believe her. First thing I said was, just show me the tickets. I, I don't believe you at all. So we got there, awesome seats. We were right there when Al Mazard caught that touchdown to break for Aaron Rodgers to break Brett Favre's all-time Packers touchdown. So now that is enshrined with Aaron Rodgers. And on top of that, uh, not a, not what a lot of people are talking about is Devontae Adams just caught his touchdown. So him and Aaron are the most successful quarterback wide receiver duo in Packer history. Now passing Jordy Nelson um, with his two touchdown performance this past Saturday. Devontae got it on his first one. So now he's giving himself a little bit of cushion. So I got to see that. I got to see Baker Mayfield throw four interceptions. Your boy. So you know, me and a lot of the a lot of my Brownies buddies were going back and forth in here. I'll I'll go. Uh, we'll talk more about you know more about the actual game in a LOD versus Packers Steve uh, face off here. But it's Lambo on Christmas Day. It was gorgeous. The beer was flowing. The cheese curds were phenomenal. The seats were awesome. My hat. You know, it wasn't. It was cold. But it didn't feel that bad. Like, I was layered up, and once you got the beard blanket on you, you were good to go. But not even being biased, it's the greatest stadium in the NFL. Yes, Jerry World's awesome. You got the SoFi's. You got, you know, you got the Death Star over there in Vegas now. But just legendary, historic stadium, that is Lambeau Field. And I just, I can't pick another 100,000 friends I'd rather be with on Christmas Day. It's the best stadium in football, and it's because... It's got that Fenway and Wrigley feel to it where you can feel the history. Like, you know who was on that sideline. You know who was coaching on that sideline, and that's what makes Lambeau different where, yeah, it might not have the amenities that Jerry's World or Allegiant Stadium does, but give me that charm any day of the week. Plus, you've now been there twice. It truly is to people that haven't been there. It is in the middle of a town. Green Bay is a town. It is not a city. You're just driving up 94 Pass Sheboygan, and all of a sudden, oh, wow, that, that's where the Packers play. That's something that blew Kylie's mind, too, because, I mean, let's be real here. It's the girlfriend buying the boyfriend the sports tickets. They're not really excited, but I'm like, Kylie, this isn't like, just because I'm a Packers fan. This is NFL. I know people that are like, yeah, I will go there just to go to the stadium. Bears fans, the rival fans. Hell, my Fonz was here about two weeks ago. He's like, I would love, I cannot wait to go to Lambeau. That's a, when does a rival ever look excited to go to the stadium? Now, granted, I, I can't wait to go to Soldier Field whenever that may be. My first time is for a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert, not even for a football game. But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there eventually, uh, Mr. Adam. But just how how special it is. And like you said, it watching her 
just realize that there's houses, a very small street, and the stadium is right there. I'm like, yeah, I would just put it. I would just put the TV on mute. Have the have the crowd line up with the play that I'm watching on TV. It's awesome. Let's be real. I never. I would never want to live there long term. Maybe have like a summer house or like a you know winter house for this thing. Or honestly, I'd love to buy a house in Green Bay and just Airbnb. You'd make so much fucking money doing that. But I, it's it's the best place to be on Sundays. It was. I wish there was snowing a little bit, but beggars can't be choosers. Bitch just ain't Chipotle, as Kanye would say. And I loved every single second of being in there. And I can't wait to go back. This, this is officially going to kickstart the one time a year I get to go to Lambeau. Already got the okay from the lady. Hell yeah. Yeah, next time the Raiders go, I'd love to go up there too. And the reason why is that, dude, the Packers fans, I know that I was in Wisconsin for three or four years. I'm, I'm a little biased because I did love it up there. I truly would go back in a moment and live. But what I will say is that, I mean, Packer fans, they're different. That part of the country, like, they're hospital. They're hospital. How do I say that? They are hospitable. They're nice people. Hospitable? Hospitable. There you go. We sound great. We're doing awesome. There we go. Hey, you're the one who's the who's the uh, doctor in English, so that kind of looks bad on you that I got it, got the pronunciation. Oh, I can't pronounce shit. I, mean, I, I feel like people that know me know that. I, I am terrible with pronunciation, but going to Packers fans for one second, quick story is... I remember when I was up there in high school, my dad, I've said on this show before, he's a, a big Bengals fan. He's actually met my mom at a Bengals game like back 30-some-odd years ago. But we went up there, and I was trying to be nice for my dad's team and all that, so I threw like a Bengals hat on or something. And my brother's a Bengals fan too, so he's decked out to the nine. And we're just three enemies walking around Lambeau Field And I'm not kidding. I had to fight people off at the age of 16 or 17 offering us beer. Just, oh, wow, Bengals fans, you guys are from Ohio. That's great. Come on in. Like, come have a beer with us. That's the type of people they are up there. I know everybody's like, oh, we got the best fans. It's a different kind of thing where they're genuinely there. They desperately want their team to win, but they're good people in Wisconsin. I love it. And again, the cheese curds. Yeah, I know it's fried squeaky. cheese. But the How cheese squeaky curds, were they? The squeakiest. I don't even know what that means, but I'm assuming that's just... It's get, a rule get, up there. Yeah, that's how you have to... It's the squeakiness of the cheese curd. If it's not squeaky, it's not Wisconsin. Oh, it was squeaky, all right. And the ranch was phenomenal. We went to Stadium View, which we were waiting for a while to get our flight. We went to Stadium View just so I could sit there and just... Literally, I was like, I was like a dad with a new pair of... New Balance is about to mow the lawn, just staring at how fresh and how clean the stadium is just right there. Because, you know, I don't get to do it too often. I'm from North Carolina. You know, even being here is an eight and a, eight and a half hour drive. So you got to really soak it in. Uh, Kylie had a Crab Rangoon flatbread, and it was fucking fire. See, I'm actually enjoying this. This is the, just a show now. We're talking about Wisconsin and, and the food up there near Lambeau. This is great. We'll get to football soon enough. Yeah, exactly. But last thing now, you're talking about cheese curds. I was stunned when I moved up there, the ranch with cheese curds. I never realized that was a thing. Obviously, around here, you've got like mozzarella sticks. You have marinara. And even the places that serve cheese curds, I think it's like an instinctual reaction down here to get marinara with it. And I was really kind of freaked out when I went up there. But when I tried it, I'm a believer now. Ranch and cheese curds slap. Especially with how fattening that ranch is. Oh, it was. It's so buttery. It's It's mm. so buttery. God. Well, 
See, it's like in the South, they fry everything. In Wisconsin, just everything is just extra. It's cheese extra and beer, buttery, too. Cheesy. Oh, beer. You know what? I only had one spotted cow. That was the, that was the only bad thing. But there's a, there's a solid trade-off. Our flight from Detroit to Cleveland got pushed back from 10.50 p.m. to 1 a.m. So we rented a car in Detroit, drove back to Cleveland. You know what I had to do in Detroit? Had to stop by one of my favorite shops, the glass jar, you. as they call it. You got your name for a reason. I got you. Yeah, yes, I did. And with that, I think I think we've I think we've got the energy and the juices flowing here just in time to shoot Wally's hopes right down. We're gonna go right into the NASCAR segment where we speed up the tempo just a little bit, blow past the games that are a little bit less significant, so we can get down to the real games that we all really give a shit about. The Raiders effectively eliminate the Broncos from playoff contention here with a great defensive battle. The Raiders are really playing with Wally's emotions. They got the Colts in charge the next two games. They're sitting right there on a wild card hunt. Do you think that they can get in and get you out of your misery for at least another week? No, I don't think so. And it's a sick joke that this is the Raiders team that finally got a defense. But the next game here, your Detroit Lions. Speaking of Detroit, Dan Campbell had arguably his worst call to date. He kicked the field goal inside the 10-yard line down seven with less than three minutes left. They had a chance late. They threw a pick in the end zone. But my opinion is you don't deserve to win when you make decisions like that. Say, Dad, my eyes are pretty bad. Is that Bill Shakespeare over there? Replace that with Matt LaFleur. Dan Campbell pulling a Matt LaFleur like he did in the NFC Championship game last year, going for a field goal with that much time. Yeah, Tim Boyle in at quarterback, former Green Bay Packer, throwing an interception in the end zone really sucks. But a side note, with that game and another loss for Detroit, that officially hits my ticket on Detroit under four and a half wins on the season. Jets beat the Jaguars in a snoozer. The The Jags are bad. They lost James Robinson to a non-contact Achilles injury. It looked very gnarly. And they just need an offensive coach in their sights for next year. It was a battle of two top draft picks in the 2021 class, but it didn't really feel like it did it. Only one turnover between them, so I guess that's a step in the right direction. But that's all that you can really take from that game. Philadelphia, they overcome a slow start to beat up on Jake Fromm and the Giants. And I'm not the only person that has been glowing on this team the last two months. But the Eagles are really, really good and really set to make a deep run, Steven. Hey, they were tied 3-3 at half. Fly Eagles fly 34-3. You know, they got the matchup against the Washington football team and Dallas the final two weeks. This could be a 10-win team. All of a sudden, yeah, who wants to play them with that rushing attack? Even with Miles Sanders out. That rush attack is dangerous, and you know Jalen Hurts can air it out no matter how much we dig on him that most of his passing yards are coming in garbage time. The Bucks dominate the Panthers in a nice rebound win. Tom Brady goes on to capture his 18th divisional title in 22 years, and Carolina is a joke, but it's okay. It took Jay-Z like seven years to get this going, right, Matt Rule? That was clever. I like that. I mean, this wasn't a special game by any means for, I almost said, the Patriots, and it's funny because that's what Tom Brady really has done is capitalized on playing in very bad divisions in his his entire career. And this is no different in the NFC South now. Get a win here. They're starting to, I feel like, get their feet under them right before the playoffs, which is a very good sign for them. Which, the Chargers might not even make the playoffs now. They're 8-7 and after they get stunned by the Houston Texans, and now their playoff hopes are in jeopardy. They're 8-7, and like I said, and now have to win the last two games. And I'd say that they've arguably been the biggest disappointment in the NFL this year to me. It's like every time they take two steps forward, it's two, three steps back. This Chargers team, just a disaster, Steven. 
the Chargers are playing like we thought the Bengals were play, going to play, and the Bengals are playing the way we thought the Chargers were going to play. Houston is without 20-plus players due to COVID. That's double-digit starters that they were without. There was linebackers saying they were signing people off the couch to start for them a couple days before this, and they still dominated the Chargers. Three turnovers by that Chargers offense, allowed 24 points in the fourth quarter, one of them a pick six by Justin Herbert, really just to put the game away. Good night. This is embarrassing. Man, oh man, my dark horse candidate, best believe I'm doubling down on it for next year. Justin Herbert's coming back. The Bears beat the Seahawks on a two-point conversion with a minute left to win. Seattle blows a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter to none other than Big Dick Nick. Time to clean house in Seattle. I think this offseason is going to be very interesting. We saw with the minimal turmoil that we had last year, it is not going to get better with DK Metcalf seemingly to be upset. Russ Wilson, we know he's on his way out because he wants to go to either New York, but I'm calling Cleveland. You're right. Big Dick Nick does it again. He can't help himself. But on top of that, eat your heart out, John Harbaugh. Bet it hurts to see someone else win on a two-point conversion at the end. The Cowboys beat the shit out of Washington to clinch the NFC East. And when I say kick the shit, I mean kick the shit out of Washington. They scored 42 first half points in this game. And when Dallas's offense looks even remotely in sync, they look like a Super Bowl team. I don't know if we can expect it four straight games into playoffs, but at least we know they're going to be there. Good job. Dallas beats yet another NFC East opponent by a large margin. Something that they have been doing since Dak Prescott was there and a little bit before that. So... Nonetheless, the Cowboys' offense is rolling after being in a quote-unquote slump. Diggs gets his 11th interception. I am not fully on board with this Dallas Cowboys team as being back after dismantling a Washington football team who has been dismantled all year due to injuries. The Chiefs are back and just gave an ass-whooping to the Pittsburgh Steelers. KC dominates without Travis Kelsey. They are hitting in their final form at the most important time of the season, right when I'm putting my foot in my mouth. Let's wrap it up on the Big Ben farewell tour because this cannot go by any slower, it feels like. Well, last game at Heinz Field, unless they make the postseason, is coming up. So the farewell tour might actually be at its end. But with each passing week, I'm getting more and more afraid that the Chiefs are just going to waltz into the Super Bowl again. It's starting to feel like there might not be a lot of teams that can offer a lot of opposition to them. Perhaps this weekend we might get a glimpse of at the one team that might be able to do it. Then the Dolphins and Saints, they played a pretty ugly game. It meant a lot to both conferences' wildcard pictures for the moment, but let's not kid ourselves. Neither of these teams are Super Bowl contenders. Two has played in six of the seven games on their win streak right now. He's gone over 250 yards one time. What year is it? I mean, the last two weeks, he hasn't even thrown over 200 yards in a game. And he's turning the ball over. Yeah, the Dolphins win their seventh straight to move to eight and seven in the seventh spot. And now they become the first team in NFL history to go on a seven game losing streak and to go on a seven game winning streak in the same season. They have an opportunity to be the first team to make the playoffs starting one and seven. And on the other side, and on top of that, Ian Book becomes the first Ian to start at quarterback in NFL history. Holy shit. Talk about a historical Monday night game. No wonder it was on that slot. Yeah, I'm already not going to waste my time. I'm just going to throw my challenge flag right there at the end because I had nothing else. Imagine the terrible names we're going to see at quarterback in like 20 years. We're going to be the grumpy old men with like 
I mean, shit, with Kai's like, I'm throwing my phone around, sorry for the noise, but Kyler, the guys like Kyler, we were like, that's a ridiculous name. What are we going to get in 20 years? A bunch of Prestons, probably. Oh, God, that's great. Can't wait. And I also have a challenge flag. You know what? It's going right back to the Kansas City Chiefs. Last, So they beat the Chargers to get the AFC West. Awesome. I blame that on Brandon Staley on his fourth down decision-making. He started the game at the goal line, missing a chance to score seven. Goes for it on fourth, doesn't get it. Ends the second half doing the same exact thing. He sort of settled for a field goal. And now that's not even including the other times that he went down on fourth down. The Chargers lost that division and they lost that game. And now that's why they're becoming, that's why they're going in this downward spiral. I don't want to give Kansas City any credit. And how can we give credit to them after beating up on the Pittsburgh Steelers when we've done nothing but dog them? Kansas City may be dangerous, but there's other teams that I'm looking at that I'm way more scared of in the AFC than Kansas City. And you will see how I feel once we get to the gambling segment this week. I am, I don't know what it's going to take. If they win the Super Bowl, I've got a feeling I'm going to come on the show and you're going to be like, but this is the weakest Super Bowl opponent we've ever seen. They're not even that good. I'm already prepared in my head. And you know what? I won't argue. I hate the Chiefs, but I, I just, man, I don't know. You're you're holding out hope that they're not that good, and I don't see it. Their offense just isn't that explosive. Their defense, what quarterbacks have they played? There's just nothing that I that has that has me that's like, yes, I am more scared of this Chiefs team than I that I have been the two previous. Even with a tad bit worse defense and a way explosive offense, yeah, I'm way scarier. That I just don't think that this offense can put up the points where they're going to be in a lot more closer games. And I just don't think that they have faced that great of competition outside of Cowboys, maybe I'll give it to you, missing injuries. But the Chargers, yeah, they shot themselves in the foot and gave away that game. And Travis Kelsey is the MVP of that offense. Don't even sniff Pat Mahomes because Travis Kelsey is having another great season and a 200-yard, sub-200-yard performance in that Chargers game to essentially win it. Well, okay, so my question for you, though, for going into the Chiefs here, I kind of hinted at it when we were talking about it. Who would you argue was the biggest threat to them in the AFC right now? I think the Colts and the Bills. Who wants to play the Colts? I fucking don't. The last the last eight weeks of their schedule don't. A couple of them got, got to squeak away with a win. But for the most part, I don't want to play the Colts. This Bills team will see how much they're rising. You know how their defense is hungry after, quote-unquote, getting embarrassed playing the Patriots here a few weeks ago, and they're starting the ball. You just got to look at teams that are peaking at the right time, and I'm never a huge guy with a huge win streak going into the NFL or going into the playoffs because I feel like you're just you're on the brink of losing. Like I like where the Colts are at right now. They've won, they'll, they'll lose one, win four, lose one, win four in a row. Like They're going to hit their stride. Now with Carson Wentz out, Jonathan Taylor's taking over. We'll get to that. But JT, four MVP, and I think that's their biggest threat. I don't hate the Colts being their biggest threat. I actually don't entirely disagree. But one other, I guess a couple other teams at least worth mentioning here is one of them who they play this weekend, Cincinnati with that high-powered offense. I could see them winning a shootout in the postseason if it comes to that. But the other one too, everybody's written them off because everybody, I feel like for good reason, has real doubts about Tennessee, right? But they're about to get Derrick Henry back going into the playoffs as fresh as you could ever hope to have him. And that's a terrifying thought for defenses. Before we dive into 
the previous week recap. This segment is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, advertising, and more. Especially if you're our age, me and Wally, where college graduations, engagements, weddings, and baby pictures are happening basically every weekend, Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check it out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com and on her Instagram, Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. And with that, we'll get right into the Week 16 recap. The banged-up Titans move within a win or a Colts loss of the AFC South crown. The 49ers blow a massive opportunity. 10-point lead, Jimmy G throwing two interceptions in the loss. Ryan Tannehill only had 40 pass yards in the first half. Ends with 209 thanks to A.J. Brown's 11 receptions, 145 yards. And one touchdown in his first game back from IR. The Titans just keep winning right when we don't think that they should. And I think the Colts are the scariest team to play right now. But should we start considering Tennessee in that conversation strictly because of how well coached they are? Yeah, I mean, what I was saying right before uh, we finished our NASCAR segment, the Titans getting Derrick Henry back to the fact that they're able to find ways to win right now. That's got to be as encouraging as you could hope for, right? Because they looked pretty bad, at least at the start of this, uh, I guess, period of time without him. And the fact that they're able to win a game like this, not scoring a point in the first half and overcoming a 10-point deficit, I mean, this is huge. Now all they have to do is get a win or a Colts loss in the last two weeks to to at least win the division. And at the very least, that's quite an achievement, the way they've, I guess, had to overcome injuries this year. But no, no reason whatsoever why the Titans aren't a very scary team to play. On top of that, Jimmy G, he's got a chip bone in one of his hands. Trey Lance could be making the start here in the next couple weeks and, and into the playoffs here. I don't know if they're going to have enough for that offense, and he's going to be comfortable enough in that offense to distribute the ball to George Kittle, Debo Samuel downfield. Debo Samuel is an animal. It's a Swiss Army knife for that offense, and they'll get something going. But Jimmy G, he might be done for the year, might be done there in San Fran. I think he will be done at the end of this year. So if Trey Lance does come in and he looks good right now, I think he's probably done right now. I completely agree. And if you're a 49ers fan, this is what you've kind of been waiting for all year, right? Because Jimmy G's not looked good. And you've kind of just been understanding how green Trey Lance is. You still want to see him. Because this is, I mean, he's perceived as the future of your franchise. You feel like you're in win-now mode. I can imagine getting pretty impatient right now if I was a 49ers fan. But let's go back to the game that we spent so much time on at the very start of this episode. But your Packers, Christmas Day, they host Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Baker throws four interceptions in the game. No way to hide. He did not look good. Uh, we'll all definitely say that. We'll get into, I'm sure, a little bit of a conversation here a little more. But first of all, your Packers now get even closer to not only they have, they've got the division, but now they're getting that close to the home field throughout the playoffs. This felt very important. And being able to hold the Browns at the very end of that game, when the game started to feel a little bit in doubt, that's kind of a, a very encouraging thing, too, that this team is learning how to win games like this when the offense isn't going to be the one to get it done, you know? Razul Douglas is a diamond in the rough. He has been the MVP of our not only our secondary, our whole defense. He has the interception to set up another six points to close out the first half for our Packer offense. And then he has the game-clinching interception to finish her on off. 
He is a monster, and he isn't the only monster on that field. Nick Chubb destroyed Green Bay. He was eating them up. He had what almost 60 yards receiving, over 120 yards on the ground. But you know what? Baker Mayfield kept getting his opportunity to throw the ball. Four interceptions, three in that first half. And quite frankly, that Browns defense was stepping up, only holding Green Bay to three points in that opening drive and shut them out the rest of the game. And that offense, led by Baker Mayfield was just not able to get it done when it seemingly felt like the rest of that offense could. Now, that's the LOD, Steve. The Packers, Steve, I loved watching Baker Mayfield throw those four interceptions. It was stupid, and it's not my fault. You can complain about, oh, well, the refs missed a call. They re- Well, refs don't throw interceptions, and refs also don't stop giving the ball to Nick Chubb. Stefanski continually does this every fucking game. Oh, you know what? It was my mistake. We missed these calls. We should have been doing this. Then fucking do it. Then do it. Give Nick Chubb the ball. You could have thrown in a fucking third string left tackle as your quarterback and hand the ball off to Nick Chubb every single play and they would have won the game. Now, granted, Green Bay would have had a timeout some time on the clock, but give Nick Chubb the ball. Cleveland would have won this game. All of a sudden, they're sending Green Bay into God knows what world right now. And all of a sudden, Cleveland is talked, they're being talked about as maybe they're, they are the team. Maybe Odell was the problem and now they're back. I loved it though. Once again, Christmas Day in Lambeau Field, where the fuck would you rather be? Not a lot of places, I'll tell you that. But here, if I'm going to be deep in the Baker Mayfield defense train, I'll give you a few, I guess, reasons why. You already mentioned the flag on that fourth interception that wasn't called. Felt like it probably should have been. The other thing I would say is that you have in this game effectively a college-level kicker, and I mean low-level college, for the Browns. The problem with that is... You have that third, and it was something like 18, third and 19, right before the first pick in the first quarter. You're in no man's land if you're not comfortable kicking a field goal there. You almost tell him, hey, take a chance downfield, throw almost an arm punt if it's not going to work, and hopefully give yourself a chance to make a play or draw a flag. It didn't happen. But that would be my argument for at least that interception. We've already gone into great detail about the wide receivers or lack thereof there in Cleveland. I just don't know if moving on this year, he's going to get a fifth year. We already know what's going to happen. Next year is going to be make or break. And I hope that this offseason, the Browns put a concerted amount of effort into bringing in wide receiver talent. Because if it is Baker, we'll find out. And if that's the case, like I said, I'll definitely, uh, I guess, wear, wear that one, unfortunately. But last, last thing here is the AFC North is not out of the realms of possibility still with Cleveland. All four of these AFC North teams have a realistic play. And this is all it would take for Cleveland to do it. They would need the Chiefs to beat the Bengals this weekend. They would then obviously have to beat the Steelers themselves. And then next week, they would have to beat the Bengals. And at that point, I think the only thing else they would need is a Ravens loss. Because the Ravens have a lesser divisional record. So, I mean, it's very possible. I don't know if I'd say it's likely but all four of these teams have a realistic play for the AFC North, as nuts as that is. But we were just talking about the AFC North and what the Pittsburgh Steelers potentially last year did. Let's bring it over to this year with Arizona. You you kind of had that good observation a few weeks ago that you felt that Arizona was starting to have that Steelers collapse. 
And it's proving true right now. It's aging like fine wine, Steven. 7-0 this team started. Now they have gone 3-5 and in their last eight games. Offense looks completely out of sorts right now. I don't really see it getting too much better. And if that's the case, the Rams are going to win this division. And we might be looking at a pretty quick exit for the Cardinals. I'm expecting the Cardinals to go out quick. DeAndre Hopkins is obviously the missing piece here. They have not been the same without him. Even without Kyler, this team was able to function a little bit. Once they got DeAndre out with Kyler in there, this team isn't the same. But they are who we thought they were. Something I feel like I said in the preview show is how hot and cold this team is. I just didn't anticipate the hottest of the hot and the coldest of the cold. Like you said, the 2020 Steelers collapse here. They are now second in the division without D-Hop. This team is not the same. Arizona gives the Colts four first downs from penalties, 11 overall. But flip it over to the Colts. They just keep winning behind Jonathan Taylor. It must be it must be a AFC South thing. Not give your quarterbacks... You know, under like anywhere from 17 or under pass attempts to just feed your running backs. Between Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor, that's what this team is doing. With Carson Wentz out with COVID, he's most likely not going to play this game. So that's sticking true. Jonathan Taylor game. And man, MVP to this man. He is single-handedly in that offensive line have catapulted this Colts team back. And they have the opportunity of, of winning this division while they're nipping out the heels of Tennessee. And your boy, Jonathan Taylor, like you said, I mean, both of us are looking pretty smart with our non-quarterback MVP picks, are we not? Because Cooper Cup had a monster day in his right. We'll get to him here in a little bit. But then JT, it's been a crazy year for the non-quarterback. And I, I know we keep banging our head against the wall. But if a quarterback wins the MVP this year, why do we not just call it the best quarterback in the league award? That's what it's turned into at this point. And that's what it's going to be. You know, I think this year is going to making it increasingly clear. And for, for years to come, if Derrick Henry is going to return back to the way he is and say Jonathan Taylor's continuing this trajectory, that's going to be an MVP race in itself almost every year in and year out. Now the MVP of the AFC North, Joe Burrow, ruffles some feathers here as he throws for 525 yards against the Raven, sets a Bengals single-game record for most passing yards in a game. And he added four touchdowns with this. Now, the Ravens were without Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. They were forced to start John Johnson, whoever the fuck that was. But it didn't really matter. Four receivers had 70 or plus yards with T. Higgins going off for 12 receptions, 194 yards, and two touchdowns. Between the two games against Baltimore, Joey B. has thrown for just under 1,000 yards, 941, seven touchdowns, one interception. And Wally, I don't know if you got to see the the post-game locker room scene. Did you see Zach Taylor giving away all the game balls? No, I actually didn't see that. What happened? The dude is a fucking... He's a Jason Garrett. He's a clapper, right? He gave the game ball out to five different people. When one of those people just set a franchise record for most passing yards... And the first ball he gives to is someone who had four receptions for 70 yards. The next was Jamar Chase, who had like seven for 125. And then they gave one to uh, Tyler Boyd, and then one to T. Higgins, and then one to Joe Burrow. I'm like, God, this guy is a fucking pussy. No, I, I mean, I've kind of been joking at it all year, but do the Bengals ever have the guts to fire Zach Taylor when you feel like he's holding this team? Because... That's what I think happens. Like, this team is loaded. 
and they're winning in spite of Zach Taylor right now. I know this is a weird way to say it right after a big win like that, but I mean, this Bengals team, if they get decent defense, decent offensive line play, I mean, they can beat almost anybody. They deserve to be on the field with anybody. I know it took Mason Crosby missing about 19 field goals earlier this year, but the Bengals took the Packers to the brink. They're now going to have an opportunity to take another Super Bowl contender to the brink. I mean, they did the same with the 49ers. That's a team we can perceive as a potential threat. They've dog-walked the Steelers now twice. They've dog-walked the Ravens twice. If they can even just find a way to get... Because for, for whatever reason, Baker Mayfield has the Bengals number. And they're going to finish a year going to Cleveland. If they can even get one of those two games, the win and get the division. I mean, there's not a lot of teams I think I'd want to match up with the Bengals yet. I, I just don't see it. Yes, they own the division, you know, the, the Ravens and the Steelers. But the game against the Packers, the game against the Niners, that just screams you can't finish it. You can get there, but you can't finish, right? You, know, you, you came back against San Fran, blew it in overtime. You couldn't get a damn kick to go through. Not that Mason Crosby was doing any better, but you got to capitalize against one of the best teams in the league. And then their losses, they have a couple bad losses where they just don't show up. They lost to the Jets this year. They've had other couple ugly losses. So it really depends what team you're going to get on that field every Sunday. But I want to see them close those game games out. Anyone can blow another team out. I get it's the NFL, but with the way COVID, the COVID protocols are and the way people are dropping off flies off the starting roster, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if people are getting blown out. But to finish those close games and coming back, that's what I want to see. And I think that's the missing little domino to really bring this whole team together. And maybe we get that, but I feel like, again, keep saying it, but this is a team that has arrived a year early. This is a Bengals team that doesn't have the line yet. They haven't put the time in. Last year it was more they geared up to Jamar Chase. They've helped out the defense and both have really paid dividends. But again, they don't have a line. They're not a Super Bowl team yet. And with that addition, cut out the turnovers, this team could do it. It's just, I'm with you. I don't think this one, this construction of the Bengals will be able to do it. But no reason they can't give somebody a good scare in the playoffs. The Rams are now in first in the West. And the Vikings are teetering on elimination now. The Rams come out on top behind Sony Michelle's 131 yards and a touchdown as they move Daryl Henderson to IR. And despite Matt Stafford throwing three interceptions against a former division foe, the Rams were able to come out on top thanks to a special teams punt return. Matt Stafford over these last couple games, 441, three touchdowns, three interceptions those last two. Should we be scratching our heads? Is that really the guy who's supposed to be leading this team to the Super Bowl? No matter how good that that defense is. Kirk Cousins, 315 with a touchdown and an interception. Green Bay and Chicago left on the schedule, so it's going to be an uphill battle these next couple weeks for him especially with Adam Thielen having season-ending surgery here on Wednesday. See, with the Cooper Cup show that we've seen all year, just targets and yardage out the wazoo, I almost wonder if you're having a similar situation now in L.A. that you might have had in Cleveland where this is a Matt Stafford, this is a Sean McVay kind of led team that's really wanting to keep Odell Beckham Jr. in his, I guess, right mind and playing, I guess, focused. And right now, they've made it a concerted effort to get him the ball. 
especially in the red zone, which I know the Cleveland Browns struggled to do. Maybe that's what it is. I, I'm still, I still have hope for this team that they could have Super Bowl aspirations. They just have to string it all together and do it a little bit more regularly because right now it does feel like it's a little hit and miss. It's kind of like the Chargers of the NFC. The only difference is they've kind of ended up on the right end of these games a couple extra times, and that's why they're in a position to win a division opposed to maybe not even making the playoffs. They have a big battle in snowy Green Bay here on Sunday night football. Keyword there, night. So we'll see how Kirk Cousins wants to play here. Bills get revenge at Foxborough, and the Bills fans can finally put the bleach away, but just for a few weeks. Josh Allen has took over this game, 361 total yards, three passing touchdowns, and the Bills' defense remembered how embarrassing that last game was. Holding New England to 288 total yards, one of 10 on third down, although they did allow five of six on fourth down. Picked off Mac Jones twice on his way to a 14 of 32 for 145 yards. I know I'm pumping the brakes here a little bit on the Mac Jones train. New England's lost a couple in a row here, Wally. Are we worried? And maybe maybe we both jumped on the train too early that they're back. Yeah, I probably did jump on a little early. But it's kind of like the Bengals where I feel like this team is just not exactly where they will be next year. I think with an additional offseason, I think Mac Jones will make steps. I think it's too hard not to in that offense, especially the way they're coddling him right now. But this is still a very good team. They're a team that could win a couple games in the postseason if they're playing to the ability that we've seen them play. But you got to give credit to the Bills. I mean, I'm the first guy to like kind of poke fun at them all year. But no, they came out and kind of took it to the Pats here. I know that it ends up looking closer than it was, but they were up two scores almost the entire second half. Every time the Patriots got close, it seemed like the Bills really took it back to them and had a big response Maybe the Bills are figuring it out, and if that's the case, I'm going to have to walk back a lot of things I've said earlier this year because I did not see this coming. But we're not in this to win divisions, right? We're, we're in this to win Super Bowls, and I'm still not seeing it for either of these teams right now. This was a good start. This is a type of game this late in the season to really get your energy flowing. They've already, you know, The Bills have already beaten the Chiefs. Now they get that monkey off their back. And in New England, on their way to another division title, you have a couple key wins underneath your belt throughout the season. This team is going to start gaining confidence. Devin Singletary is playing a nice role. See if Matt Breda is going to be back in that rotation. And Josh Allen is really going to start balling. Now, he was doing this without a couple of receivers in Cole Beasley. He was missing Gabriel Davis. I want to say Emmanuel Sanders was out there, but Stephon Diggs was just the main guy. But what about that video of Stephon Diggs chattering a little bit with the, with the Pats fans? Did you enjoy that, Wally? I, I mean, if you go in and you talk shit to these players, they're allowed to talk shit back to you, right? And and this looked a lot like the Aaron Rodgers situation in Chicago early in the year where the fans are giving it to him just as much as he's giving it back. The only difference is, is it gets picked up by a live mic. So now we have something to talk about. But I think it's awesome. You know, this is the cool thing about being in the NFL as a fan because you can really interact with these guys close distance and a lot of times you can get under their skin, and obviously it worked. It's just this time around, he gets the last laugh opposed to the fans there up in Foxborough. We want to remind you guys that Loss of Down is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the best Delta 8 THC edible on the market. It's sugar-free, keto-friendly, gluten-free, heat-resistant, 
made of 100% pharmaceutical-grade ingredients with consistent dosing for the perfect edible experience. But hey, if you're not into Delta-8 THC, that's not a problem. Tabby's offers an option with no THC while using the same proprietary drug delivery system to ensure that guaranteed dosage of CBD. Right now, Tabby's.com offers three flavors, galactic fruit, watermelon, and mint. They are perfect for any time your anxiety is high. I've been battling depression and anxiety for a long time, and it's not a fix. Like, Don't get me wrong about that, but it does make me feel much more at ease, hence the name. Whenever I am feeling overwhelmed, I seriously would recommend this, whether they were a sponsor or not. So please go and make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Tab East Co. That is Tab East Co. spelled T-A-B-E-A-S-E-C-O to be the first to know when they drop. You can get any of these products at tabease.com and with the promo code FOOTBALL, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. And with that, we're going to go into our NFL bets for week 17. What the hell's going on out here? But first, Wally, gas us up. I got the match. How the hell have we been the last few weeks? And last week. You know what? Just run down the numbers, guy. Dude, we have done really, really well. If people have been following us this last month, you would be making a good amount of money here. To give you an idea, last week... Steve went five and three. That was a bad week, all things considered, after what we've been doing here. Before that, he went 20 and eight. Before that, he went 14 and eight. Maybe a three week total of 39 and 19. It's 20 games over 558 tries. That's pretty hard to do. And then for myself, I went three and two last week, 21 and nine the week before that, and 20 and nine the week before that for a three week total of 44 and 21. So we're tearing it up right now and that's not even to talk about what we're also doing prop lock and drop it where i have gone back to back weeks of perfect two and o's so things are getting really exciting right now steve and i won't continue to talk but hopefully get on board now before we start cooling off a little bit that's right 83 and 40 between us two these past few weeks we are on fire hopefully we can continue it and you know what i think we are the first game that we have here, your Las Vegas Raiders are going to the Indianapolis Colts, where the Colts are now one-and-a-half-point favorites, and that over-under is set at 41. Carson Wentz, who is unvaccinated, is going to be out of this on the COVID-19 reserve list. If it's either he was in close contact, he'd be out for five days, so we'll see if he'll actually play. But if he does test positive, he is out the full 10. That's not including the O-line situation. They do, they do get Quentin Nelson back. We'll see if Ryan Kelly's going to get back into the mix. Because they were down three stars against Arizona, and they still were able to do something. But you do not want to go down three stars against this Max Crosby and company because they could feast. Now, with Carson Wentz not being in this game, it's going to be a full Jonathan Taylor game. But I like Vegas fighting a little bit for that playoff hope and Indianapolis to continue rolling here. This is going to be a good game. It's going to be Jonathan Taylor and this defense all game. It's a small line. I'm going to go with the Colts minus one and a half and their money line in Indy. I was actually a lot more confident about this game until last night with the passing of John Madden. I'm interested to see if perhaps maybe the Raiders have a little bit extra something to play for. I know when Al Davis passed away, it's been two very different teams and it's been over a decade now, but you saw a very passionate team come out. 
I'll be interested to see if the Raiders have the same kind of response. I'm going to operate under the assumption they don't, though. And in that case, I tried to figure out what was the worst possible ending for this Raiders season because that'll be what happens. And that's going to be a win here or or even worse. It might be a loss here to an undermanned Colts team and then go and beat the Chargers for no reason next week when you're eliminated already. I, I just don't know what it is. I feel like Sam Ellinger is going to look like a hero against the Raiders. It, it, I'm going to go with the Colts minus one and a half. The money line in the under, because I do think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. That's kind of turning into the theme here for the Raiders the last few weeks. I'm going to say Colts win something like 21 to 14-ish. And I love it because right now, if you still have NFL Network on, as I do, we got the Colts-Raiders matchup from back in the day right now. Hey, when the stars are aligned, Walter. Yeah, again, I told you before we recorded, it feels like that was the last time we were good, and that's the frustrating thing. But we'll go now to your division rival. The New York Giants are traveling to the Chicago Bears, where if this doesn't tell you where the Giants are right now as a franchise, that the Bears are six-point favorites is currently constructed, I don't know what will. The line being where it's at, it just says the whole story. I mean, this Giants team, and more specifically their offense, is a disaster. Whether it's Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm back there, it really doesn't matter. This is going to be a really ugly game. I do have the Bears winning and covering, so I have them on the money line in minus six. But I'm going to have the under here as well. I think it's very similar to that Raiders game. You're going to be looking at a like 20 to 10 kind of score. Why am I watching this outside of New York and Chicago? And even in there, why are you guys watching this? You you summed it up best. Chicago's six and six point favorites for a reason. Both these teams sucks, but at least Chicago's a little bit more competent than this New York Giants team who does not have a quarterback. And if they do, Mike Lennon, huh, Jake Fromm, yeesh. I like Chicago at minus six and their money line at Soldier Field here. The next game we have, the other New York team, the New York Jets are hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they are 13 and a half point favorites. Godspeed to whoever has to face this. The fresh AB, Gronk looking to redeem himself after the, a rough couple weeks. Not only that, you have Tom Brady in win mode. You know he's going to dismantle this. Even with Bruce Arians out for testing positive for COVID, Harold Goodwin is expected to take over the head coaching duties, the assistant head coach. I don't care. Tom Brady already runs that offense. That's not going to matter. Tom Brady is arguably going to have a tad bit more freedom now that Bruce B.A. is not just breathing down his back. I like Tampa Bay minus 13 and a half here, and I, and I wouldn't even be sweating this game. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot to say here. I'm also at minus 13 and a half. It's too big of a number for me to bet the money line because you want to get the value in return. But the Bucks are a very good team, and the Jets are very not good. And that's what you're going to see here. And I also think this is going to break Tom Brady's own record he set this year, I think with Justin Fields, for largest age disparity between starting quarterbacks because Zach Wilson's like 14 years old. So go with the experience here. Bucks win and cover big. So I think this is actually going to be his third time doing it. That might be. I mean, there's so many young quarterbacks he's faced, I can't keep track of who it is. Did he play Trevor Lawrence? I mean, he's played Justin Fields for sure. I can't remember who else the oh, other rookie would be. It was no, it was uh, it was Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and now he's going to do it to Zach Wilson as being the youngest. Great point. Yep. The Atlanta Falcons are going up to Buffalo, where the Bills are 14 and a half point favorites, and that over under is set at 44 and a half. Bills will do what they do best. Beat the lesser teams that are under 500. Buffalo is 3-1-1 one, one 
this season when they are double-digit favorites, yet they have won seven games this year by three-plus possessions. With Atlanta barely squeaking by Detroit, I have no no confidence in what this offense will be able to bring to a Buffalo team fresh off a very huge divisional win and knowing that this game is essentially going to put it out of the reach and crown them as the champs. I like Buffalo to continue rolling in the playoffs and covering this 14.5-point spread against the Falcons. God, you almost talked me into it there because I did the three one and one stat and then the seven times winning by three or more possessions, that scares me a little bit. But what I will say is that I the Falcons, yeah, I get it. They're seven and eight records overinflated. They're not that good. But I also don't think they're 14 points worse than the Buffalo Bills are. And I mean the Bills will win this game. I won't take the money line because again, the value's not there. But they're not gonna win by more than two touchdowns. That's asking way too much, especially the up and down kind of periods they've had this year. I mean, I can't get that Jaguars game out of my head, and that's, I think, probably why I'm rocking Falcons plus 14 and a half here. Philadelphia is a four-point road favorite going to Washington. The over-under is set at 46. And the Eagles right now, they feel like they're on a mission, running it on anybody and everybody that they face off against. They understand the importance of this game, so they're not going to take Washington lightly, who on the flip side, no longer are playing for anything. They quit, and it was obvious they quit in Dallas last week, and I'm not really sure why anything would change here, especially when you're going up against a confident team that likes to bully people at the line of scrimmage. The Eagles are going to win this game big. I think that this Washington team is throwing in the towel. I think you said it best. Don't look now, but the Philadelphia Eagles have their number one rushing offense in the league, averaging 163 yards per game. That's better than the Colts at 155, the Browns 144, Tennessee at 138. This Eagle team knows who they are, and they, they know what to stick to, unlike the aforementioned Cleveland Browns. I like the Eagles to continue rolling here. Like you said, Washington gave up. That was very clear in this past game this past week. And ever since they stopped the four-game win streak, they have just been bad. Philly minus four. I'd, I'd push this up a couple points until it got into plus money. I would take it all the way to Philadelphia minus five and a half, almost to six. The Kansas City Chiefs are five and a half point favorites headed to Cincinnati, where the over-under is set at 49 and a half. Cincinnati, as, as you know, is coming off a huge win, taking control of the AFC North. The big question is, how can they overcome that big win? Since he's been very streaky this year, two wins, two losses, two wins, two losses. They are still on that, by the way. And Kansas City is one of the hottest teams in the league right now. I think with Cincinnati and all their weapons peaking, they can keep up in a potential shootout with Kansas City. This is going to be a defensive battle, which, and if you ask anyone, that nod is going to go to the Kansas City Chiefs. But watch out for Trey Hendrickson and that rush that they have there in Cincy. I like the Bengals at plus five and a half. I like their money line, and I'm taking the over here. I'm not a believer or believer. Will this game make me one? I'm not sure. You know I'll find a way to still be arrogant piece of shit. (laughs) See, I love your personal rivalry with the Chiefs this year. It kind of feels like you're a Raiders fan with me, so I really appreciate it. But I actually, I've been torn on this game. If there's one game that I've, like, waffled on all week, it's this. Because I actually had Cincinnati... The same bet as you, actually, plus five and a half and money line earlier. But I don't know if Logan Wilson will be back. And that's what scares me because right now they're linebackers. It, it's not it's not a good situation, especially with Jermaine Pratt out with COVID now. Travis Kelsey, you would imagine, will eat if Logan Wilson isn't there. But that's the catalyst for me. I, I probably wouldn't bet this game. 
if I had a save, but I, I don't know. It, it's weird. The fact that everybody is so close and kind of crowning this game as an opportunity to, like an arrival game for the Bengals and Joe Burrow, that's the reason I'm going to go with the Chiefs minus five and a half and the money line. I think Kelsey has a huge day, and I just don't think the Bengals are quite there yet. So I'm opposite of you here. Uh, we'll, we'll see, though. I would be would be pretty happy to see you being on the right side of this, but we'll see. Jacksonville, then, they're traveling to Foxborough, where the Patriots are 15.5-point favorites, and the over-under is set at 41.5. I'm not touching this game in terms of who's winning or losing. I'm not touching it in terms of spread. Way too big. No value there on money line. So I'm only going to bet the under. This game is all the makings of like a 35-3 win, but for some reason I just can't really pull the trigger. We've seen the Pats struggle with lesser opponents multiple times this year, and 15 and a half is a ton of points in the NFL. I feel really comfortable with the under, but nothing more here. I cannot believe a rookie quarterback leading the Pats is a 16-point favorite, but it is the Jags, let's be real. They're the biggest dumpster fire. I do not expect them, honestly, to score a single point against that Billy B defense that they have cooking up that defense and that whole team is hungry to feast and get a get back in the w column after losing two in a row after giving up the division essentially you know bill belichick is going to have this team ready you'll see what i feel like in the prop locker drop it this week i like new england to cover this 16 but i'm also going to take wally's bet to go on the under 41 and a half because i can literally see this being a 35 nothing game a 32 to 6 something that is a large margin of victory, but still going to hit the under. Miami is traveling to Tennessee where the Titans are three and a half point favorites over under set at 41. Tennessee has been staying hot in the playoff race. And even though I was talking them up a little bit, the Dolphins are just as hot right there next to them. With O-line injuries, Taylor LeJuan is expected back off the COVID list here this past week for the Tennessee Titans. This game is still could be problematic here for Tennessee. They're tied for the sixth worth turnover differential at minus five. This Defense in Miami is playing a little bit better. They're not the scoring defense that we grew accustomed to the past year and a half, two years, but they're still balling right now. And this Dolphins team, honestly, is just they're just playing complete football right now. And I like them to win their eighth in a row against a stagnant Tennessee offense, and I don't really care if A.J. Brown is back. See, I don't believe in the Dolphins whatsoever. I'm still a little higher on the Titans than I think a lot of people are. Especially with the prospect that here within a couple weeks we might see Derrick Henry back. I'm going to take the Titans to win and cover here. So I have money line in minus three and a half. That will give them the division win outright too. And that gives them a chance to kind of rest everybody next week. Get healthy for a postseason game. Because you'd imagine they're probably going to be the four seed. So they're going to get the top AFC wild card. And right now that could be their division rival, the Indianapolis Colts. So that could be a really fun and intriguing matchup. But again, I just don't believe in Tua. I don't believe in Miami. I have Tennessee winning here and effectively making next week a winner-go-home game for Miami. The Los Angeles Rams are three-and-a-half-point road favorites at Baltimore against the Ravens, where the total is 46-and-a-half. It was a valiant effort, but the injuries have finally caught up and become too much for the Baltimore Ravens this year. The Rams get one step closer to clinching the NFC West and could even clinch with a win here and maybe a Cardinals loss, which is far from out of the realms of possibility. Cooper Cup has his 10th game this year with nine or more catches. And against a secondary like Baltimore, if there's a shot 
for him to get into the MVP race, this is it. He's going to have a monster game. I agree. Cooper Cup, I think he can have 200-plus and three touchdowns in this game. Is Lamar going to be back? Who cares? Even if he is back, he's still coming off that, that ankle injury. I was talking about how bad the last two games were for Matt Stafford. What, 441, three touchdowns and interceptions each? This is the game to get him back on track. You're going up against the worst passing defense in the NFL. They're giving up the most yards or averaging 280 yards per game that they are giving up. Have a day, Matt Stafford. Three touchdowns. How give Odell two as well. He might be able to sneak a Van Jefferson 75-yard bomb in there just for shits and gigs. This is going to look like the Ravens-Dolphins opening game here of the 2020 season. The Rams, three and a half. This is going to be the easiest money of the weekend. I'm even going to sprinkle in their over a little bit as well. The Denver Broncos travel to SoFi where the Los Angeles Chargers are five and a half point favorites. The over-under set at 45 and a half. And I just cannot trust this Chargers these last two games. If you lose to the Texans, you have no other option but to bounce back and win. Now, Denver is still battling for the playoff hopes. They are still mathematically in, even though we were talking about earlier how the Raiders took them out. They are still mathematically involved. But now they're just playing spoiler. I like Denver to cover here. After dominating this team a couple weeks ago at mile high, why not continue Mix in the spoiler. And if they really like Vic Fangio and that head coach, now they're playing for him to keep his job. Denver plus six at SoFi. I love that you brought up that because Vic Fangio is on the hot seat, and I do think they love to play for him. But I know as a Raiders fan, I almost want him to become available because I want to see where he goes as a defensive coordinator again because he might be the best defensive coordinator or at least top five in the league when he's doing that job. Just don't know if he's a head coach. But I am going to actually go with only the under here. I'm not touching the results again. And that's in large part due to the fact that we don't know how this Denver team is going to respond to being eliminated. Maybe you're right. They play spoiler, come out really passionate, trying to help their coach out since they are still alive. I just don't know. But it is a divisional matchup. And I think because of that, especially with how bad the Broncos offense is, you're going to see the under hit here. Houston then is going to travel to San Francisco. The 49ers are 12.5 point favorites, and the total is 44.5. I have San Francisco minus 12.5. To me, the easiest bet in football is hammering the hell out of the opponent after a dog shit team gets a big win. Last week, Houston got kind of a ground shattering win against the Chargers, shocked the entire NFL world. Now, I don't know how, coming off of how emotional that win was, Davis Mills looked good. You typically see these teams lay an egg. And I think that was what is going to happen here. I have 49ers again, minus 12 and a half. I think they win going away. Kyle Shanahan has the boys ready, and they're poised to make a little bit of a run here. Yeah, that's a team I do not want to see in the playoffs is that San Francisco 49ers. Does not matter where it, where the game is located. This may be the, the Trey Lance era. So this is making me a little skeptical to take the San Francisco Niners uh, at minus 12 and a half. It's because Jimmy G with that, with that bone chip in his hand – it's Trey Lance playing is Jimmy. It's Jimmy G with a with a what seems to be a minor injury. Doesn't feel like I need a hundred percent Jimmy G. He's just not really that guy under any less percentage of health. But I like San Fran at minus twelve and a half. You you said it best. How emotional is that Houston Texans team in locker room going to be after having a huge blowout win against a what we thought was a playoff caliber team? Now you're facing an even better playoff caliber team, a team that is in fact going to going to be in the playoffs. San Francisco, I think he's going to light them up. 
they're hungry to get back on the field. Like you said, Kyle Shanahan is going to have them ready to play. 12 and a half, San Francisco. The Arizona Cardinals go to Jerry World. Dallas is five-point favorites. Over-under set at 51 and a half. And how can you trust the Cardinals right now? They're playing a hot defense in Dallas, who has the most turnovers, best in third down percentage, and second in turnover differential. And, and Kyler is, is just going to have his hands full between Micah High. You got Diggs. I'm not even talking about Demarcus Lawrence yet. Randy Gregory. These are beasts that they're going to have to deal with up front. Good luck. I think Arizona is going to continue their skid. Unfortunately, Dallas is going to get hot on the tail of Green Bay for that number one seed in the NFC. Cowboys minus five at home in Jerry World. I'm with you, man. Minus five. I mean, the Arizona-Pittsburgh comparison is getting more evident every single week. We've already talked about 7-0 start, 3-5 and since. That's going to keep up here. They're lucky that they've already clinched the spot because the way they've been playing right now, they don't look like a playoff team. Not to mention that you're talking about a Cowboys team that's drinking the Space Jam Michael Jordan secret stuff again where they look like a Super Bowl team. And when they play as physical as they did against Washington, there's not a lot of teams that can honestly keep up with them. Cowboys, I think, kind of blow them out here. I, I think they're going to win this game 14 to 17 points. So I win with you. I have Dallas minus five. I don't have it on the sheet here, but I have Dallas money line as well. And then our next game, Carolina is traveling to New Orleans, where the Saints are six and a half point favorites. Total in this game is 38 and a half. What a total disaster of a game this is. And this is the third game, actually. I'm not betting a winner. I'm betting strictly on the total. I'm taking the under again. When the unders are under 40, it feels like Vegas is daring you. They're like, you won't do it. You will not have the guts to put the money on an under because points will obviously come. No, and this is why unders like this happen and hit all the time. The under 38 and a half hits here. I mean, who in their right mind would bet this game? Both teams have played between like 13 and 14 different quarterbacks, it seems like at times. It's been a circus act. And what hasn't been a circus act, though, has been how well these defenses have played. I'm not sure who I would pick to win, but I'm confident the defenses do enough to ensure the under hits. There you go. Seven quarterbacks between these two teams. So good call, Wally. But seven between just these two teams, and they're in the same division. So that is just wild. When you look over to the other side, there's two quarterbacks between the other two teams in that division. So that's fun. New Orleans, I like a minus six and a half. Carolina has lost 10 of the last 12 games since starting 3-0. and This team is just bad. They're suffering injuries. They're suffering, suffering COVID problems. And I expect New Orleans defense, led by Cam Jordan, just to just dismantle Sam Darnold in that offense. Sam Darnold was named the starter here on Wednesday um, for this game. So expect Sam Darnold to leave a little bit early. And I don't even care. With Cam Newton there, they will destroy Cam Newton like they did years previous. I just have no trust in this Carolina offense. Their defense, maybe we'll see who is in that quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. If it's Taysom Hill, hopefully maybe Trevor Simeon. Just not Ian Book. Can't have that. Even though he'll make history. First quarterback named Ian to start two games in the NFL. I I hate you so much. (laughs) I like the Saints at minus six and a half. The Detroit Lions... Travel up to snowy Seattle. We'll see if it's going to be snowy again. Where the Seahawks are seven-point favorites. Over-under set at 42.5. Seattle is in a downfall. They lost to Chicago. They've been playing bad football since Russ has been back. Detroit is playing some solid football behind Dan Campbell. 
you know, obviously, you know, he had the coaching miscue here. But over the last month or so, he's been playing. He's been having these boys play with a couple wins underneath his belt. I expect Jared Goff to be back uh, going up against an old division foe in Russ, Russ and the Hawks. So uh, I like I like the lines that continue to send Seattle in the spiral. I'm going to go Detroit plus six and I'm going to take their money line as well. Because honestly, the Seattle offense outside of a couple quarters has not done anything special for me. My personal book has it at plus seven, so I'll even give you the extra point and write it down with this too, and I'm with you. I have Detroit plus seven here. I don't have the money line. I'm not as confident as you, and I don't have the gold to actually do it, but you and all the listeners know how critical of this Seahawks team that I've been all year. I'm convinced that the Lions have kind of been too nice to them for the simple fact that DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson kind of have that kind of appeal to them that people really do believe this Seahawks team is better than they are. And here in the last two games of the season, at least for Russ, in his probably Seahawk career, I just don't see them being able to go out and look good enough to cover a touchdown against anybody. So I'm taking the Lions plus seven just like you. Your Packers are going to be hosting the Minnesota Vikings this week. They're six-and-a-half-point favorites at Lambeau with the total at 47 and a half. I'm not going to say a lot. I want to hear it from you, but I have Minnesota plus six and a half in Green Bay money line for the simple fact that for whatever reason, Minnesota's kind of, not to say had your number, but they've played you really tough with Kirk Cousins. So I'm going to say the Packers win, get ever closer to home field throughout, but it is going to be tight. Four, three, and one is Kirk Cousins' record since coming to the Vikings. So yeah, I'm you know I would say they'd have our number a little bit better than the rest of the division. The main ingredient that makes them so successful against the Packers is Dalvin Cook. He's expected back coming off the COVID list. He is good to play this game. And it's up in Lambeau. It's cold. They're going to be running the ball. But the main thing, it's Sunday night football. That's prime time. Not only Green Bay and Minnesota civilians are going to be watching it, the whole country is going to be watching right when Kirk Cousins freezes up, as he typically does in the primetime games. But I do like them to cover the six and a half, but Green Bay to win this by a field goal. Mason Crosby getting it right. And all of a sudden, my man Jari Alexander, designated off the IR, active. He's expected back. You better watch out because right when they get David Bakhtiari, this team is going to be dangerous. I would I would sprinkle a little bit money on a Justin Jefferson prop bet. Green Bay money line with Minnesota at plus six. Cleveland. Sending away Big Ben in his final game at Heinz Field, potentially if they do make, if they depends if they make the playoffs. Where Cleveland's three point favorites over under set at forty one. Pittsburgh is dog shit. Cleveland's defense is coming off an amazing game, amazing second half against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, maybe this will be the week that Stefanski gets his head out of his ass and runs with Nick Chubb a little bit. Now it is Big Ben's game, like I did mention. Um, I think this team is going to be ready to play for him, and I can see Cleveland winning this game but by like a one to two point margin. Farewell, Big Ben. That's how you're going to send the rivalry off just like that. Pittsburgh to cover the plus three by like Cleveland money line. The world all knows how Big Ben has really owned the state of Ohio, and I guess in this instance, more specifically, the Cleveland Browns. There still is reason to believe that the winner of this game has a real shot of taking the North going into the final week of the season. Everywhere you go, whether it's Twitter, message boards, Facebook, or whatever, we've been seeing the crying Big Ben face from last winter in that wild card matchup with the Browns. I don't think the Steelers forgot that, and I feel like that they took that really personally 
and felt embarrassed about what happened. And I, you're going to see a very physical and a hungry team at Heinz Field this weekend, desperate to try to get Big Ben one final win at home. In his Heinz Field swan song, I do expect Big Ben Steelers to come out on top one final time. I'm taking the Steelers 20-17, to 17, so money line plus three in the under as well. And with that, that is going to wrap us up here on the Week 17 bets. And now, before we send you off here, our final segment, the Prop Lock and Drop It, where we pick one prop of the week, one game that we think is an absolute lock, and one game we want to stay away from, the drop. So, Wally, I'll toss it to you. What is your prop lock and drop it for the week? I've mentioned that I'm hot lately, Steven. 2-0, two, two consecutive weeks. Last week had the under of Las Vegas points in the Bengals' money line. This week, I'm going anytime touchdown scorer Travis Kelsey at minus 125. Told you guys, Bengals linebackers a little banged up. Even with Logan Wilson back, I still would feel good about this. It's been when he plays this well or as well as he's played in the last month, this team looks like themselves, and I think that that's going to keep up here. So I have Travis Kelsey, anytime score, minus 125. My lock, it feels like I have to do it. The Steelers plus three. One final time, Big Ben is going to tear the hearts out of Cleveland Browns fans, and then you can just bury the memory of him forever if you're a Browns fan, and at least for the Steelers fans, it gives you a happy moment on the way out, likely. Good luck there. Steelers plus three is my lock. And my drop is the Denver and L.A. game. Again, I don't know what we're going to get out of the Denver offense. I don't know where we're going to see it from a motivation standpoint. Are they going to play for Vic Fangio? Do they want to play spoiler? Or are they just mailing it in for the rest of the year? Too many uncertainties. I'm avoiding that game altogether. I went 0-2 on my prop lock and drop it here from last week. So I won't be doing too much gloating. My prop for this week, Jacksonville Jaguars, to be the lowest scoring team this week at plus 500. I would put put a little on there. They're going up against that New England defense that is hungry for a win. They've lost two in a row. Uh, Going up against a rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence that is just very prone to turning the ball over, interceptions, fumbles. They They are without their top two running backs in James Robinson. Obviously, Tyler Etienne did not play this year, so they're going to go with Carlos Hyde. Good luck. I like Jacksonville to be the lowest scoring team. My lock of the week is the Dallas Cowboys at minus five versus Arizona. They are just in a complete downfall. It's so hard to trust Arizona at any point for any reason at this moment. I just can't see them getting it done. That's a hot defense that they're ball hawking. They like to pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. That quarterback loves to scramble and Kyler Murray, who also is prone to turning the ball over a little bit. He's not as healthy as we think he is. I think that Micah... Parsons is going to give him problems. Here we go. T. Diggs back with another interception as well. And my drop of the week, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints minus six and a half against the Carolina Panthers. I know how much I was dogging on the Panthers. Outside of the Saints deep, it's kind of hard to trust that hot and cold offense. It really depends on what that quarterback situation is looking like. As of right now, I have not gotten any, I haven't seen any updates about Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon being back yet. I'm sure that's going to change. By the time this podcast comes out. But I want to stay away from that game. Because quite frankly I don't want to watch it for money purposes. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. At Facebook and Instagram. At Loss of Down. As well as Twitter down underscore loss. I am your host Stephen Weed. Of course in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is Wally Lukashensky. Wally, do you have any parting words for our kind listeners? First of all, Happy New Year to everybody. We really appreciate all the support you guys give us. 
And I, I do want to read two John Madden quotes real quick for the That's people. That's all you have? Just two? I, I, there's a million. But these two, he was like the Yogi Berra of football. It, with the, the, I guess, talking ridiculous. I mean, he was just such a charm. Like, he was just such a charming guy. I, I love him, and we're going to miss him. I know we all will. But I just had to read a couple here for you. One, if the quarterback throws the ball in the end zone and the receiver catches it, it's a touchdown. That was one. And my second one for you was when you're playing good football, it's good football. And if you don't have good football, then you're not really playing good football. John Madden, everybody. If you can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch. Guy was awesome, man. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely miss him. And with that, until next week and until we send you more winners, make sure to send us those winning tickets. Love to post them. He is Wally and I am Steven. We are Loss of Down. Madden 04 the GOAT. 